I, I don't have all the answers, but the one thing I do know is you cannot quit. You have to be mentally strong and you have to persevere because there are so many challenges. Um, and like you said, it's mentally, emotionally hard, more than the money, more than the time, more than the effort that it takes to be your own business, a one person business. It's mentally and emotionally draining. You are listening to Geekdom in Pals. Welcome back. My name is Guy Hasson and this is Geekdom in Pals, the podcast that highlights the things which are less highlighted in the geek world. Today we're talking with Omar Morales, veteran indie comic book creator of titles from Crusader, to most recently, Lunar Ladies. We talk about the path, the hard, hard path of the indie comic book creator. We talk about why Omar was able to survive and thrive and why some people don't survive. He gives he gives such good advice. So let's just listen to the conversation with Omar Morales. I think we should begin from uh, in, with your origin story. Like, what did you, how did you get here? Sure. Uh, I'm Omar Morales. Uh, I, I make comic books and uh, it's kind of been a long road in terms of how, how I got here. You know, I was uh, uh, born in Oakland, California. I was born of two, two Mexican immigrants, didn't speak any English in the house. Everything was Spanish. And so English kind of helped me learn uh, or comics helped me learn English, um, you know, reading Spider-Man and, and all the old Marvel books from like the 80s. Uh, actually it helped me adapt faster to the language. And then obviously watching the Spider-Man cartoons after school and uh, well, coloring can, books. Can I stop you here? Because I think sure. that's a really uh, important point. Yeah. I think comics really do, uh, really are a literary gateway, a gateway to literacy. Uh, yes. Many people. It was for me. I was an immigrant to the United States. That's how I, I learned English, by reading the same comics over and over again. And that's in today's age, uh, where kids just have television all the time and phones and stuff like that. But then uh, that's how I introduced my kids to yeah. reading by giving them comic books, which then they read a thousand times over. And that's how they got up to speed to reading books. Yes. And, and what I liked about the, the Marvel 80s comics is they didn't... Um... They weren't trying to write it for like a kindergartner, right? They, they had an expectation that you could read at a certain level. So there was words in there that you had to refer to a dictionary to understand, you know, uh, words like um, opaque or translucent. You know, I didn't know what those words meant or even know how to pronounce them. So I had to go look them up in the dictionary. And now I was learning, right? New vocabulary, better vocabulary above my reading level you know, by reading comics. And I, I was also fascinated with the titles, right? They would give the, each issue such a fancy title, you know, a dramatic title. And it helped you learn um, how to quickly engage an audience, you know, with like a, a snappy headline kind of thing. And so, yeah, it was a, a great introduction to the language. Um, I, I loved comics. Uh, I loved, uh, obviously loved the, the, the adaptations as well, you know, the, the cartoons and 
um, eventually the movies. And so I, I was very immersed in pop culture from, from a very young age. Um, and then, of course, oh, like, you know, the Nintendo Entertainment System and stuff like that. How old were you then? Oh, I was five. Uh, uh, you know, five, six, kindergarten, first grade. Um, and then, you know, as I got to be like, you know, 10, there was the, you know, the Atari video game system. Then a little bit later, there was the Nintendo. It's a professional wrestling. I was into all that pop culture stuff, you know, Battlestar Galactica, Voltron, you know, He-Man, every, everything. Like I consumed all of it. I was your classic, you know, United States, 1980s nerd. Um, and, you know, that continued into the 90s, you know, and and, and all the, the things that came along. The 80s were really good for nerds. Um, so, the 80s were really good for nerds. Oh, yeah. Nerds. The 80s, best. <laughs> the best. I mean, that was, that was, yes, all of that. All of that. Uh, I, I loved ALF, you know, the alien life form. <laughs> uh, the first comic I really remember buying with my own money uh, at the 7-Eleven, which is the local convenience store, just off the spinner rack, you know, was uh, Spider-Ham number one. I was fascinated, right? I loved slapstick humor, ga gag humor. And so here, Spider-Ham, I was like, he's a pig. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a funny book. And uh, yeah, I, I love that type of humor uh, when I was growing up as a kid. So, you know, that, that's really my origin story in terms of how I became a geek and a nerd, you know, in the, in the 80s and 90s. Sure. Um, but then, you know, as you get older and you start chasing girls, you kind of forget about comics, right? And I, I sold my collection. And uh, then later in life, after I graduated college and started my professional career, like eBay was just starting to take off at that time and i discovered oh i can buy some of my old comics back that i sold or gave away through ebay so i started buying back a lot of my old wolverine and spider-man and captain america you know all my favorite heroes and started growing my collection again and growing the collection again and reading and then getting into the shops every wednesday it just fueled this fire that i had for for comics and I was professionally trained as a writer. You know, I was uh, studied journalism, and public relations and advertising in college, did a little bit of TV news as well um, and radio. And so I, I had the, a knack for writing short, clear, you know, digestible stories the way you're trained to in, in the news business. And I figured, you know, uh, I could combine these skills, my love of comics, plus my my writing skills. And by that time, I had started doing camera work, too, in the news business, shooting, editing, producing, field producing, live shots. So I, I developed an eye for framing, height, distance, angles, uh, pacing, establishing shots, close-ups, reverse shots. All of that helped me when I started writing comics because I already knew that I had a visual eye for how to tell a story chronologically, logically, starting with an establishing shot of where you are and then going in tighter and then tighter and you know, all these things came very naturally to me. And so about 10, 12 years ago, I started my first book, Crusader, which uh, that's probably the one you're familiar with from, yeah. from back in the days. And um, it was well received. And I printed it as a one shot, 22 page comic. Um, it did well. And so I continued the story, made it into a graphic novel. And then I went well, on to the next project. Let, let's assume not everyone knows what thing. it's about. Can you, can you? Let's oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell the story? Yeah, the, the log line for yeah, yeah. The, the log line for Crusader is uh, 
what if the Pope had a secret hitman, right? What if the Pope had somebody who kind of had to do the dirty work on behalf of the church, you know, so the church could keep its reputation clean, but they had this guy secretly doing all the, the wet work, so to speak. So imagine like a monk with a brown robe and a hood, and instead of, you know, guns and swords, he would use the these sacred relics of the church as his weapons, you know, the spear of Christ or, you know, he could use um, holy water or, you know, sacred uh, rosary beads that would, you know, uh, torment an evil person or an evil soul. And he would do perform exorcisms, too. And uh, and then so that story has a little bit of supernatural and it also has an alien plot line. It's it's very traditional sci fi adventure. It's got, you know, some violence in it. It's a rated R book. Uh, it's got a little bit of adult themes in it. You know, he he definitely touches on the subject of uh, priest molestation and uh, he's not he's not in favor of it. And, and he's looking to uh, make some changes from the inside of the church, you know, going out. So that's what Crusader is all about. You know, and, and Did so, you... uh, my kids still are not old enough to read it. <laughs> really? <laughs> that happens. Yes. Uh, did you. Uh, try to first yeah. do Marvel or DC or suggested to them and then uh, and then chose the indie route? No, no, I, I knew that it was such a way out there concept that that uh, you know Marvel and DC would never be interested. Plus that they don't take solicitations anyway. And at that point I was so early in in my um, uh, ventures of trying to make my own comics that I, I didn't really know how to pick itch you know or how to go about trying to get somebody else to to publish my book so I just did it myself and I figured you know what I don't know what I'm doing but I'm going to learn along the way and I, I did I learned a lot first of all just how to make a book then how to get it ready for printing and then where do I get it printed I got that book printed in China and then you know came over on the slow boat to the United States and then I had this pallet <laughs> full of books in my garage just taking up you know half of my garage uh, and then I did you know the Kickstarter and I didn't know what I was doing there and so I learned along the way made some mistakes but it, it's I wouldn't trade any of it it was a great great learning experience it's like getting sure. a, a college degree in, in comics you know doing it yourself doing it the hard way Oh. Um, but now I'm at the point now where, uh, yeah, I've learned how, how to pitch and how to approach companies, not Marvel and DC, but, but the mm -hmm. other ones, you know, like uh, I would call them mid-tier, mid-tier publishers, you know, not Image, not Dark Horse, um, not IDW, but, you know, the ones that come after that. There's a good group there of really good publishers and new ones propping up all the time that uh, are, are really good and have some big names behind them, you know, X Marvel and DC and, and image people that are working there. So mm. yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a progress, man. It's a, it's a learning. Yeah. It sounds like it, it's, but it's, a, it's, it sounds like just at this point of the story, you learned a lot. How did you learn how to do, uh, how to print something in China? Mm. Like I'm guessing Google wasn't that uh, nice at the time. Like you just Google it, right? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Google was fine. Um, I, I'm trying to think of how Print Ninja is the name of the company, and they're they're like a broker in the United States in Chicago, and they broker the jobs from China, right? Mm -hmm. So they they contract the the printers in China, and they take they take a margin, you know, and they act as their United States kind of representation. I'm trying to remember how I discovered Print Ninja. I I can't even remember. 
maybe it was Google or maybe it was a recommendation from somebody else that I knew in the indie comics community. Uh, but they did a nice job. I mean, I did a hardcover book that's got the nice laminated finish, um, nice, thick, glossy paper. I mean, they, they, they did a nice job. And so I actually went back to them when I printed uh, Moon Girl. Um, I had another printer lined up who was not professional, to say the least. Another outfit out of Chicago who basically took my deposit and took my money and ran i was very disappointed so i went not gonna rip me off um but yeah there, there's all kinds of uh, outfits out of chicago or or in other places too, too that that act as brokers to to the chinese printing market um and you know the, the people speak english and right and they, they know how to translate and you know uh and they take a margin and so um yeah that that's how that kind of all came into place and uh and there's plenty of great um, printers here in the United States and Canada as well, but you, you just get so much better value, you know, printing out of China. Um, so, yeah, I, I got my books printed by a second time by, by uh, Print Ninja. They did an, a nice job. And um, now I'm in a position where I think I'll be hunting for a printer again at some point, you know, in the next year, probably for my current project, uh, which is titled Major Tomas. Uh, it's a sci-fi story. And uh, uh, now through um, my publisher, Scout Comics, um, I've been connected to a printer here in the United States. So I might, you know, work with them, uh, a United States printer. I'm, I'm sure I'll get the books a lot quicker this time than from China, where it takes several weeks to, to arrive by boat. But in fact, uh, you know, I just got a shipment today from my printer, um, my comps, right? My free copies of, of my book. Lunar Ladies. This is issue number one. It just came out in stores. Yeah, it just came out in stores today. This is the variant issue or the variant cover. And this is the main cover here. Uh, but yeah, it's nice yeah, to get a, you know, a stack of free books, you know, well. in the mail. Amazing. Yeah, that's, that's the main cover. So this one just arrived in shops today. So, you, you know, you're right on time with this interview, <laughs> the issue number one. What is it about? Shops right now. And uh, anybody watching this? Or The Lunar Ladies is um, based on a public domain character called Moon Girl. Moon Girl came around like in the 1940s, uh, published by a company called EC Comics. Uh, and she was like a knockoff Wonder Woman, like a, a you know, a, a cheap version, knockoff version of Wonder Woman. Uh, not a lot to her, very two-dimensional character. So I reimagined her story and said, let's, let's meet Moon Girl when she's a little girl to see how she becomes powerful. Um, so I really made the story around her as a little girl and then her two mommies, uh, the queen of the moon and her, her lover, her wife, and they're raising moon girl. And, um, they have a conflict with a villain, which forces moon girl to kind of grow up and take the mantle of, of, and the power from her mom, the queen with this like magical moonstone, like a necklace that she wears that gives her her power. And that was all from the original story. I just chose to. Uh, show her childhood as opposed to showing her as an adult. I thought that'd be a little bit more interesting. And, you know, I took some liberties with, with her origin story and changed it around a little bit, but it's a very old fashioned, like Buck Rogers style sci-fi uh, story that's meant to look and feel very old. You know, like uh, I had the artist, the color artist weather the pages and stain the pages so that they look yellow and faded. 
so that the book looks like it's something you found in like your grandmother's attic, you know, like from a hundred years ago. <laughs> it's a old fashioned sci-fi storytelling. And I, and I told a PG story because this is one that I wanted to share with my kids that they could they can read and partake in and so mm-hmm. i wrote it for like ages 10 and up so very different from my first book crusader uh the lunar ladies is um is more family friendly and, and very light fun kind of action science fiction that's looks like it's straight out of the 1940s it also sounds like you've been doing this for a while now, and it must be really hard to keep believing that you can do it, to do it. You know, I'm guessing it's not something that gives you financial security. Um, and how, how do you- No, 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 it's, it? it's, yeah, a, it's so a side uh, side project. Exactly, yeah. How do you keep doing it for so uh, long? Yeah, there's-, there's um, Because I, I do it slowly, right? Like I, I don't rush into- making a book and hurry up and get it out there. No, I take my time, right? So that I can spread the cost out and spread the risk out over many years, right? Like Crusader, that was like a five-year project, right? Uh, By the time I put it out there in 2014, I had already been working on it for, you know, five years. Um, And then Lunar Lady, same kind of thing. Like, I I think that one, uh, I started working on it like in 2011 and then, uh i think no not 2011 it had to be later than that it had to be like 2015 and then i did the, the kickstarter in 2018 and now it's 2021 and number issue number one is just now you know <laughs> arriving in stores but uh, that allows me to spread the financial risk over time right mm-hmm. i can invest slowly over a period of years on artwork right you have to pay up line artist a colorist a letter a pre-press guy to get it ready for printing and then i have a graphics guy that does the logos or he does little oddball jobs for me like if i need an advertisement he'll make me an advertisement so there's like you know five people on the payroll for any given project um and so i again if you do it over time instead of trying to do it all at once you know you spread the 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 financial risk out over time. And then you give yourself a chance to make the money back, you know, through Kickstarter. Now that I'm with the publisher, um, I'll be getting checks from that. And so really this is money that I invested years ago. That's all going to be coming back to me. But uh, my goal is always to break even. I've set myself up as a business so I can do tax write-offs for, for losses. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really how you do it. You do it smart. You don't, you don't stick your neck out. You know, I don't get into debt. I pay everything cash. Right. So uh, there's no way I'd be able to do this without a, you know, a two income household. My, my wife and I both work and uh, she's very supportive of it. And she knows that I'm handling it smartly and, and at least breaking, even if not making a little bit. And then, you know, anything you make, you reinvest into the next project. So it's really a labor of love. It's it, to your point, it does not allow me financial security. It's, uh, it's, it's for fun and for the passion and the love of, of storytelling. Right. I, a couple of uh, interviews ago, I talked to Javier Hernandez, and he's been doing this indie thing for oh. comics for years and years. And he, he talked about how he came, you know, he came to the shows. And there are other people there in the shows. But then five years later, he was still there. And the other people who were selling comic books were just visiting. 
because people would give up after a few years. It's really hard not to yes. give up emotionally yes. after a few years of doing this. How did you do it? Um, you know, when, it, it, I'm, I'm glad you told this story. I, I love Javier. He's a great guy. Um, the advice I always give when people like yourself or, or if I'm at a convention selling books and people come and they say, what's your advice? How do you do this? I tell them the same thing. Don't quit. <laughs> that's it. And that, that's, that's the best piece of advice. And, the, and really the only advice that I feel like I'm qualified to give, you know, I'm not some, you know, massive success, right? I, I, I try to be humble and I, I try not to talk down to people and lecture them like, you know, you have to do this, 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 this. No, I, I don't have all the answers. But the one thing I do know is you cannot quit. You have to be mentally strong. And you have to persevere because there are so many challenges. Um, and like you said, it's mentally, emotionally hard, more than the money, more than the time, more than the effort that it takes to be your own business, a one person business. It's mentally and emotionally draining, right? Like I have a full-time job, right? And I, after I get done with that, I eat my dinner and then I work on my comics, right? I'm talking to my artist, or, um, you know, um, like today I was in contact with the, my publisher about, Hey, how do we initiate and keep interest for issue number two? And, you know, I'm going to invest in some little prints that they're going to put into their subscription boxes. And they have like 200 subscribers that get, you know, a box of books every month. And so I'm working on those deals, right. And working with their printer and like, you know, so it's like another little part-time job after the first job ends. And, uh, and, you know, now, and then now I'm talking to you, right? So my day hasn't even yet ended and it's, you know, almost uh, 11 o'clock at night here in California yeah. and I'm still working. <laughs> so you have to have perseverance and energy and passion because if you don't, you know, you're going to end up like, like Javier said, one of these guys that's not behind the table anymore. Now they're in front of the table looking around buying merchandise and comics from people that haven't given up. <laughs> that's the difference. This group gave up this group has not given up and they're still keeping the fight alive. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm working on a book right now. That's probably not going to be a three dimensional thing that lives and breathes for, you know, maybe another two years. And I have to have that vision that it's going to get done. It's going to every day. Yeah, I'm, it's going to get done. And here's the steps I'm going to take today to get it done. Uh, that's the only way. It's the only way is to have that renegade attitude, almost like a pirate's attitude. <laughs> you're not going to give up because you're independent. You're going to tell your story the way you want. And you're not, you're not beholden to anybody. You are your own boss, right? You are your own um, editor, your own PR guy, your own salesperson. You, you do it all. And uh, yeah, mental toughness, don't quit. Hey, it also sounds to me, that was a great speech. I almost cried because that's my life. Um, it sounds to me like the main the main thing I didn't hear you say that I think most people who go into Indies do say, and maybe that's why they give up. They think they will have such a break that they will be, you know, such a big, huge name. And maybe someone will find them and then they'll make millions from the indie project and someone make a movie out of it or a TV show or a big comic book company. And the second you realize two, three years later that Hollywood isn't knocking at your door, 
you're not going to make millions from your indie project. Yeah. Uh, and you're not going to be the next big, huge name. Yeah. Uh, you give up. And if that's not your expectations, then you don't give up because you're trying to break even. You're not trying to make millions. You're trying to get your story out there to as many people as possible. Correct. And every one person counts, not every 10,000. Yes. Yeah. I think maybe that's the big That's difference. right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see lots of people out there that are trying to use comics as a way to do something else, right? They're a part-time actor, or they have aspirations to be a screenwriter and a movie director, or they want to be a professional wrestler or a stand-up comedian or a YouTube personality, whatever. And they're not serious about comics. And, you know, hey, there's room for everybody. But eventually, if you're not serious about comics and, and being a storyteller and connecting with that reader, uh, you're not going to last long, right? Um, because to your point, Hollywood's not going to come knocking. There's not going to be big checks in your mailbox and you're going to get disillusioned and then you're going to go look for the next thing. Right. <laughs> I don't have any of those aspirations. I'm not trying to be a screenwriter. I'm not trying to be in Hollywood. I'm not trying to be a, an entertainer. You know, I don't have a blog. I don't have a podcast. I don't review other people's comics. I'm not a columnist about comics. You know, I just want to make them. That's it. That's my only aspiration. And to your point, uh, I'm trying to connect with readers one at a time. My, my biggest thrill is when I do a show and then I come back the next year and do the same show and people come up to me and say, hey, I remember your book. I liked your book. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, here's what I liked about it. Uh, I'm going to go tell my friend over here to come and buy one from you. That to me is worth like, like gold, right? It's that connection that somebody got it. They saw your vision and they liked it. Uh, and I've always been of the opinion that you should write a comic for the, you, right? Pretend like the audience is you, because mm -hmm. eventually there are people that are bound to uh, like it because they have the same sensibilities as you. They have the same kind of thinking as you. And so it connects, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, you, you're, you're right. It, to me, it's not, it's not a money thing. It's not a prestige thing. It's a passion for storytelling thing. That's, that's my trade. That's what I am naturally is, is a storyteller. When I was a little kid, I would take, you know, binder paper, you know, like, like out of a, a composition book like this, you know, I'd rip out a page and then I'd fold it in four squares and I would draw my own little comics and make the, the dialogue and the thought bubbles and <laughs> sound effects it was just always in my blood. And now I, as an adult, because of modern technology, now I can make a real comic, right? If I was growing up in the 1950s, yeah, sure. It would probably be impossible to, to realize the dream of making my own indie comic. But, but today with the internet and, you know, through a click of a button, I can print books in China, you know, <laughs> or, or, or publish digitally, uh, you know, on Comixology or do a Kickstarter. Now it's a more level playing field. And so I've taken advantage of it. And I encourage anybody who, who wants to make comics to jump in head first because the only thing that's stopping you is you, right? If you're willing to put years into it and grind for a long time, you can do it too. So on that note, I see you promoting or helping uh, or talking about a lot of other indie uh, creators. 
Can you talk a little about that? Well, sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a community of people that are just like me that are hustling, who are, you know, working the day job and then working the second shift. You know, I call it the comic shift after hours, mm -hmm. after dinner time. And we're all in the same boat, you know. And um, yeah, I love helping promote other people. Um, there's room for everybody, right? There, there's all kinds of different writers out there that are doing different kinds of books, different from my books, right? That's their vision, their unique story. I'm not trying to copy them. They're not trying to copy me. I'm not trying to compete with them. They're not trying to compete with me. Um, through Kickstarter, I support a lot of other people. I think I've supported like 200 campaigns over the last, you know, five years or so. Um, you know, not big money pledges, you know, $5, $10. I buy the digital PDF version of their book. I rarely buy printed books from Kickstarter because I like to spread it around, right? I don't want to put a hundred bucks into one campaign. I'd rather put $5 into 20 campaigns and support 20 friends, people that I know from, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, wherever I've met them or people that I've met in person uh, at shows, you know, you sit next to people at a, convention that you have table person over here you have a table person over here you meet both of them hopefully by the end of the the weekend you're your friends and now you have a new connection and somebody that you want to help support and and by being supportive and positive you i think attract people that want to work with you right artists colorists letterers you know um or small publishers right there, there's some of my friends who are now in a position of being publishers at a small imprint and so now I have an opportunity to pitch to a few different places because I know these guys and their, their connections. And so if I think if you're, you know, kind of um, selfish or self-centered and you're only concerned about promoting yourself and not helping others promote their stuff, I think people will kind of see through that and be like, you know what, uh, I'm not so sure. Or I, I want to be friends with that guy. You know, he's, he's a little bit too much about himself and, and, and I'd rather, be one of these people that's positive and trying to uplift as many people as I can. Not, not everybody's great. Not everybody's like a fantastic person, right? There are some, some bad apples, of course, just like in any industry, right? I'm sure in the film or in the music thing, you know, you run into people that are like, eh, I'm not so sure I would be friends with that person in real life. And that's okay. You know, you don't have to be friends with everybody, but the people that I, I do like, um, I love supporting their work, man. And, and I, and in turn, they support me back, right? It's a big, it's a big community. Great. It's amazing. Um, anything else you want to say? Anything we forgot to talk about? Um, you don't have no, to. not really. I mean, like I mentioned, the, the Lunar Ladies, number one in, in stores today. I would love it if, if uh, anybody who's listening to this goes out and gives it a chance, you know, and issue number one's available now. Issue number two will drop in uh, October. And then the final issue, it's a mini series, three issue mini series. It'll drop in, in November. Um, but listen, if anybody out there wants to connect with me, uh, you can do so on my website. It's uh, theforcemedia.com. And on my website is all my social media links, right? It's got a little buttons for every single one, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Tumblr, all of them, right? You can go in there and connect with me. The handle I use is at the crusader, crusader with a Z. Um, and, uh, you know, 
come and hit me up, you know, um, whether you're a fan or a fellow creator or someone who's just interested in, in comics in general, especially indie comics. Um, you know, I encourage you to connect with me and then you can start, you know, spreading your community and, and, you know, getting to know the people that I support and, uh, just make it bigger, make it funner, make it better. So please seek me out online. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I'm very active. Great. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you guy. I really appreciate this. Uh, I know we've known each other online for a long time and it's, it's great to finally speak to you and, and meet you here in person. It is. I can finally see you. <laughs> Thank you so much to Amama Wallace. I really did almost cry at that speech. It is my life. <laughs> and now I'm laughing. Anyway, I hope you had an equally rewarding listen and that you enjoyed the conversation. Next time, as always, we make and take a stark turn to talk about something completely different. The thing about Gigdom in Powers is that there are so many subjects, jobs, creators, and fans which are not highlighted by, you know, the top, uh, whatever, shows, podcasts, whatever, that, you know, every episode really is different because we have so many people to cover. So last time, for example, we talked about bad movies. This time we're talking about indie comics. Next time we're talking about something else. So stick with us for that. And for now, you can find Omar Morales at theforcemedia.com. That's one word, like the force, like the force be with you, media.com. On Facebook is the Force Media LLC. On Twitter is at the Crusader. That is T H E C R U Z A D E R. On Instagram, he is the under, uh, what's the thing? The other thing. John, what is that called? My mind is a black V and then not a dash, but when the dash is on the floor, Crusader. <laughs> And he's also on YouTube and LinkedIn and Pinterest. He is everywhere. Now, Geekdom in Powers releases three episodes a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you want to contact me about this episode, other episodes, to suggest more guests, or for any reason, email me at guy.hasson at geekdominpowers.com. That's G-U-I dot H-A-S-S-O-N, like nerd, at geekdominpowers.com. Check out the website geekdominpowers.com and our Twitter and Instagram are both at geekdominpowers, no hyphens or spaces. As this goes up, we'll also have a YouTube and a TikTok, so look for that. My name is Guy Hassan. I will see you next episode. For now, have an empowered day. <laughs>